Amen. And while you're coming back to your seat, let's turn to the book of Genesis chapter 5. Genesis chapter 5 and verse 21. We're going to read several scriptures this morning. I'll let you be seated right now. Genesis chapter 5 and verse 21. It's going to uh, put in plain view the character that's taken center stage who we're talking about this morning. Genesis 5 and verse 21. And Enoch, everybody say Enoch. Enoch lived sixty and five years and begat Methuselah. And Enoch walked with God after he begat <coughs> Methuselah three hundred years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were three hundred sixty and five years. And Enoch walked with God and he was not for God took him. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 5. By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Praise God. Amen. Now Jude, Jude 1, verse 3. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort to you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Skip down to verse 14. And Enoch also the seventh from Adam prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousand of his saints to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed and of all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. And you see several verses here talking about this man Enoch. This is who we're going to focus on this morning. Who was this man? What is it about him that perhaps caused God to take him up from this earth and he did not see death? You know, it's interesting that we, we have a kind of a strange view of people we read of in our Bible. Sometimes we view them as superhuman and that um, their life was completely different from ours in such a way that, you know, they... They were so close to God or so involved in his work that they didn't deal with the same types of things that we deal with. And that's not true. Because we can find in our Bible people who serve God that dealt with extreme sickness. We can find people in our Bible that serve God that dealt with family factions and major issues in their family. Kids that didn't serve God, um, spouses that didn't want to have anything to do with living a Christian life, all the issues that uh, we deal with, many of them we find in our Bible. These people were not perfect. They're people like we were. And Enoch was a person like you are. 
But what was it about him that caused God to take him up? It says that he was translated. That's what we're going to focus on this morning. William Sidney Porter was born in Greensboro, North Carolina on September 11th in 1862. Porter was employed as a teller and a bookkeeper at the First National Bank in Austin, Texas. And funds were unaccounted for during that time and he was charged with convicted of embezzlement and sentenced to five years in prison in 1862. Though he had begun writing previously, he honed his skill greatly during his incarceration, thinking that his current status might limit his publishing options somewhat. He selected a pen name that we more closely recognize by the name of O. Henry. And it was under that pseudonym that he became one of America's most famous, most prolific authors of the short story. At one point, he was producing a short story every week for an entire year, starting out in a jail cell. And his particular style, if you've ever read any old Henry, the, the, the talent that he had, the uniqueness that he had, was that he was always able to turn a surprise ending that would shock everybody. The joy of reading his work was perhaps even the last few lines of the entire story. It would surprise you and it would take a different turn. And in similar fashion today, God has demonstrated his mastery like O. Henry did over all in the final pages and lines of his written word. We can find that unfolded plan that he had in the mind from the beginning. Like a word from O. Henry where reading the end first can spoil the pleasure. Reading the end of this book, this Bible, it can only enhance our joy in the journey because we know he's the author and the finisher of our faith. Amen. And we've got an expected end in all this. Yes. We know how all this ends if we'll be faithful and if we'll serve God. It's no mystery. It's no um, it, it's not a challenge for us to figure out what's going to happen. We know what the result is today and yes, that should Lord. motivate us. It should motivate us. Amen. And so there is this this catch to all of it. Yes, there's an end, but there's a means to get to that end. And what it is today, this is the core of what I want to drive home. It's faithfulness. It's faithfulness. Theodore Roosevelt lauded virtues of faithfulness and perseverance during an address in 1903 in San Bernardino, California. And his comments apply to Christians as well. Roosevelt reminded his audience of their pioneer heritage, the grit that their predecessors had. And he said, remember that the chance to do the great heroic work may or may not come, he said. If it does not come, then all that there can be to our credit is the faithful performance of everyday duty. You may not get the opportunity to get that one blow that wins the entire war. But everything you do until then contributes to that final blow. Amen. Your faithfulness in everyday duty. That's and he true. goes on to say, if the time for showing of heroism does come, 
you may guarantee that those who show it are most likely to be the people who have done their duty in average times as the occasion for doing the duty arose. Those who are found doing the simple work, the daily things that you already know you're supposed to do that he's made clear in his word. That's what we have to focus on. Our world, on the other hand, it emphasizes for lack of a better word, flashiness. Western culture celebrates talent usually with little or no regard for character in a person. As long as they've got the talent, you know, we're going to put them before everybody, not, not, not really taking into account that this person is a role model. Depending on their age for young people, children. Now, I don't want to just like go off on a tangent here this morning, but I want to give you a prime example of what really concerns me. These idols, if you will, that the world puts before people and particularly our young people. If you're familiar with uh, any of the celebrities or people that have arose in their careers out of the Disney Channel, you're going to find out real quickly that at some point there was a turn. And when they started out as, whether they liked it or not, a role model for young people, somewhere something broke. And you can just, you can find out on your own. I don't even have to name names. You, you probably know people that I'm, that I'm thinking of right now. They started out there probably a positive role model, but now those same young people following them see somebody that's totally different. Amen. Somebody who sings about lust and all, all kinds of things that our kids are being filled, you know, their ears are being filled with this. This is the type of role models that the world puts up. God, on the other hand, rewards faithfulness. The character that is found in faithfulness. Flashiness can catch the attention of the masses and generate 15 minutes of fame, but faithfulness catches God's eye. Right. And he turns his head and he watches the person that's faithful. He turns his ear to the person that's faithful. And while the world's favor quickly fades perhaps to that person, the benefits of somebody who's faithful is eternal. The Bible said it's like laying treasures up in heaven. Amen. To the person that's faithful. Enoch, this man Enoch, is first introduced to us in Genesis. Moses offered minimal detail about Enoch's life, but his story spans, you know, just a mere seven verses in the book of Genesis and takes up just 97 words in the King James Version. And more information is provided about Enoch's ancestors and his offspring than even his activities. Who is this man? Who is this person that God cared for so highly that he would take him? Genesis doesn't record any words that Enoch spoke. We got to wait until we get to the book of Jude to find out anything that he said. But Genesis does offer in, insight into the sort of man that Enoch was. Twice in seven verses, Moses observed and relayed to us that Enoch walked with God. Mm -hmm. Now that's a broad statement, but yet it tells you so much about a person. Right. When somebody says to you, that man 
For that woman walks with God. That carries some weight for you, does it not? When we pass from this life and one day somebody is officiating our funeral, we want it to be said of us, they walked with God. Right. And it carries Amen. weight with people who know God or know of God. Enoch walked with God. And when all is said and done, our walk is going to say far more than our words can ever express. What people observed in our life, how we walked, when everybody was watching, when we thought nobody was watching, how we walked with God. Enoch's walk with God was more than just a casual stroll. He walked with God after he begat Methuselah 300 years and begat sons and daughters. If Enoch had any idea to abandon this path of righteousness, there undoubtedly were plenty of opportunities to do so. It was presented with him, just like it is with us. But he was faithful through three centuries of joys, sorrows, trials, travails, and triumphs that every life and family encounters. And through it all, there was one constant. Enoch walked with God. Enoch walked with God. A hundred years, Enoch still walking for God. Amen. Another hundred years, Enoch still walking with God. Generations of children had, they're all grown. They may or may not be serving God, but where do we find Enoch? Still walking with God. Amen. That's where I want them to find me yes. in any place in this life is that I'm still walking with God. Yes, Lord. No matter what's occurred to me, no matter what's taken place in my life, people observe and it carries weight, but even more with, than with people with God, He observes the faithful. <coughs> he looks over the faithful and blesses them. Amen. He prophesied to the unfaithful, the Bible says. The New Testament offers some details about Enoch's life that are not mentioned in the Old Testament account. When Jude warned the readers of his epistle about dangers presented by false teachers, he was giving them a warning. He took time and he hearkened back to this man Enoch for an example of how to confront ungodliness. And Jude cited a prophecy recorded in the book of Enoch. Now I want to say that the book of Enoch is not going to be found in your Bible. Uh, there's people that debate the trustworthiness of any book that's not found in the Bible. And we, we observe this as the ordained word of God. Okay, And so we're not going to call it that. But you understand that there were people. There were people in Paul's time. There were other ministers that were writing letters to churches. Paul very likely wrote letters to churches that we'll you know, never know about. It's not part of this Bible, but we can still use it for reference today. And Jude did. In the book of Jude, he referenced the book of Enoch. And it's an apocryphal work of whose authorship, it's, it's obviously Enoch that wrote it. Jude recorded Enoch as declaring this. Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment upon all. And Enoch's message that he was speaking, he was prophesying. We at least know that he was used in a gift that the Lord had given him to prophesy. It had two elements. First, 
he was relaying to them that the Lord is coming. And then that he will execute judgment on all. And these words of warning echo throughout the scriptures in the New Testament. Jesus himself described the time of his return in similar language when he told the parable of the sheep and the goats. He spoke of a day when the Son of Man shall come in his glory and the holy angels with him. And he explained that he would sit on the throne of judgment, proclaiming rewards to those who had been faithful. Rewards to those who had been faithful. To the faithful ones. And then he would pronounce eternal punishment on those who had not. Enoch lived many years before Jesus walked the earth. But this Old Testament patriarch clearly was attuned to the tenor of the end times. Paul, he understood the preaching of Christ's return. And he's welcome to giving that news to everybody in the church. But as Enoch alluded, these are frightening words for unbelievers. And this is important today. It's not just about the reward of heaven. We have to have in our minds an understanding that there is a punishment of hell. Right. There will be a judgment. And if you remove that from the, the idea of the end times, what's going to happen, the, 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 the plan that God has set in order, you remove this punishment of hell. It's, it, all you have is a reward. And some people in this world consider the life that they're living very rewarding. And there's no thought of a punishment of hell. And so there's not really an attempt to live in righteousness. We've got to understand that there is a hell and there's a judgment yeah, that's going right. to take place and rewards are not just going to be handed out. There will be punishment handed out. This is what Enoch was trying to convey to people. And Jude was using it. Paul believed it. They preached it. And nearly 2,000 years have passed since Jude wrote his epistle and much more time has passed since Enoch prophesied but the church's mission today remains identical to theirs. We got to preach that Jesus is coming back. Yes. Come on. That's part of our message. And that his impending judgment is coming on an unbelieving world. Right. That don't mean that we condemn people. Right. That don't mean people we, that we tell people you're going to hell. That's not the idea of it. But somebody has to be a warning. Somebody has to say it. Somebody has to be the lighthouse that's saying for everywhere else, there's going to be a judgment. But if you'll walk toward the light and if you'll come toward him, there will be rewards, not punishment. Amen. Amen. That's got to be the goal of the church. And so he warned them. And there's something else about this man, Enoch, that the Bible mentioned. He urged his readers, both ancient and modern, to earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered to the saints. Amen. I read a commentary here that says that the New Testament concept to contend is familiar to Jude's readers. In brief, it means to exert oneself without distraction to attain a goal. And the goal for Jude was to spread the gospel and defeat heresy. We're living in a more distracted time than there's ever been. Can I have an amen? Amen. It is so easy to get distracted. Now you tell me that you hadn't been making your chicken salad or cooking your 
you know, rotisserie chicken, whatever it is, and you've got a notification on your phone and or something big happening on, you know, let's just be honest, something big happening on Facebook. You got to go check out. And all the while your biscuits are burning in the oven. You know what I'm talking about? Come on. It was a lot easier years ago for people to maintain their attention span than it is today. That's right. Because there's there's so much of a world of imitation that's really not even there. I mean, just think about this. These social media platforms were created. It's kind of an invisible world, really, that we participate in. But we get all involved and enthralled in, you know, in, in all this. And we get distracted from things that are physically here right now. Yes. That makes you stop and think a little bit, doesn't it? How distracted we can get at some things, you know. And we're living in a world where it is so easily to be distracted and pulled away from our main purpose. We're being shot sales pitches all the time, all the live long day, you know, and, and you can get pulled away so easily. They're professionally done. Things that you want to do, hobbies that can pull away from your time with God. And we apostolics are faced with the challenge of finding a holy focus in the middle of it all. That's right. Doesn't that sound wonderful? A holy focus in the midst of a world that is so distract, distracted and carried away with itself all the time to be that person that their prayer hadn't slacked off in the middle of all that. To be that person who their conversation with God, their relationship with Him is still strong in the middle of all that. world's going nuts. People's going crazy. But I've still got my relationship with God and I'm growing it. A holy focus is what we need. We need to shoot to attain that. Amen. And Jude introduced Enoch to his readers as somebody who had successfully faced similar challenges. Enoch had not been afraid to verbally confront deception with truth. He was not afraid to say, no, that is false, and this is the truth of God. And we cannot be afraid to do that. But while Enoch defended the faith with his words, he also promoted truth in another equally important manner. His walk of faith served as a witness against his unbelieving challengers. The people around him that were against what he believed, they saw his walk. That's right. And it carried more weight than anything they could say against the truth that he believed. Everybody observed the constant, steady, faithful walk of Enoch. You know the people that the most amazing, impressive, powerful people that I have ever met in this life are people who had the characteristics faithful, solid, constant, steady. Anybody that I have found like that has been a person that I will never forget. Some of them have already passed from this life, but they're still just ingrained in my mind. The walk, the steady, 
faithful walk. Some of you are shaking your heads because you know people who, like I'm talking about right now, who they have been a pillar to you in your life. You, you know, in the tough times, you can turn back and say, well, they had it even tougher than I did sometimes, and they still were faithful. They still walked. They still were steady through every bit of that. These are the people that I want to surround myself with. This is the people that I want to look up to. Constant, steady, faithful. Enoch lived in a time when the world was descending into darkness. And it would not be long before God would express his sorrow for the sins of humanity and vow to start over through Noah's family. But while the world was hurtling towards judgment at breakneck speed, it says again, Enoch walked with God. He walked with God. He did not allow himself to be dragged down by a degenerating culture. He remained faithful. Amen. And I believe that there's some people in this room who you look around sometimes and you see a world that just seems like it's falling apart at the seams. You know, day by day, you see another affirmation of that. Something's happening here. This is happening in this place. And it seems like it, it's not really steady. None of it's steady. But God wants to make you into the person that's steady through it all. Amen. So that when people are looking around for some solid ground that they can stand on, they'll see you immovable. Unshaken, believing, and faithful. And they want to find the solid ground that you're standing on. That's the type of people that God wants us to be. While it's important that we defend truth with our words, it's even more important that we model it with our walk. Amen. Amen. You can fight with a person. You can try your best sometimes to explain to them what truth is. Sometimes the one thing that's going to change their mind is over time seeing you not change right. and being faithful and believing in everything that you've told them and things that you haven't. Amen. Truth can never truly be defeated as long as somebody somewhere is living it out. But it can't just be a talk. It's got to be a walk. Amen. It's got to be a walk. It's got to be something that can be observed in the things that we do. The song that we all know, the battle hymn of the Republic, declares in verse that his truth is marching on. And truth does march on wearing the boots of faithful men and women who proclaim it in their everyday actions. The people in this room. Truth is marching on only because we've said it's going to be part of our lives and we're going to walk in it. Amen. And then the Bible says that this man Enoch was translated and did not experience death. Genesis 5 verse 24. And Enoch walked with God and he was not for God took him. <clears throat> now Moses doesn't offer a whole lot of detail about how this happened, what took place. Just that he was not because God took him. But the writer of Hebrews tells us a little bit more. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death. And he adds, God translated him. And the theme of Hebrews 11, of course, the theme of Hebrews 11 is faith. Right. The hall of faith. So 
this man Enoch, it mentions that God translated him wine. Well, he's in the hall of faith here. And the writer noted that Enoch's faith in God is what caused him to be translated that he should not see death. He was a faithful man, a man of faith. While we don't know exactly what happened or how, we know that he did not die a natural death. This word translated from the Greek metatemi, which means to transfer or to change. This word also carries the meaning of to go or pass over into the next life. In all of Scripture, only Elijah experienced a similar exit. But Paul promised that there's going to come a time. There would be a day, one day, all believers who are alive on the earth will experience a similar transformation. We're just going to be not because we're going to be with him. Amen. There will Praise come a day. God. Amen. We're going to have the same exit. Only two people in this Bible that we know about experienced it. But we're still telling the story today. And there's some people that's going to have the same leaving of this earth. Amen. How does this, uh, this being a Christian change your perspective of death? It ought to really change it. You know, there's people that their greatest fear, some people, the one real fear that they have is death. What's going to happen? The unknown. What's behind all of that? We shouldn't be afraid of death Amen. as a Christian. That should not be part of our life. Because if we're faithful and we believe what the Word said, then we know that to be absent from the body is to be present with Him. Amen. Now, where's the fear in that, folks? That's where I want to be. Yeah. Amen. That sounds wonderful. Praise God. It ought to change how you think about death. And this is exactly what happened to Enoch. God wants his people to stand strong in the faith. He wants us to not be timid about what we believe. But if you really believe something, you care a lot about it, you're not afraid to give a reason of the hope the Bible says that is within you. If you really believe this thing, you, you really live it, it's part of your being, it's who you are, and you're standing on it, the way you talk about it ought to be different than just talking about something else that you enjoy in life. There ought to be some passion about it. There ought to be some love that can be heard in your voice about this truth. Amen. And our faith in God gives us hope that our end is going to be like Enoch's. But in the meantime, while we're here, we've got something else in common with this ancient patriarch Enoch. We live in a world that seems to slip or further every day. And Jesus compared the world of Enoch's time to uh, the, days, the days before the flood is when it was with the way things that could be when he returned. It was going to be like that. You're going to hear wars and rumors of war. Uh, evil men are going to wax worse and worse as the day draws closer. Amen. And the believers in Corinth also lived in a wicked culture. And so Paul encouraged them. He encouraged them with this. Listen closely today. Watch. Stand fast in the faith. Right. Be brave and be strong. 
That's what we're to be today. Yes, amen. Stand fast in the faith. Be brave and be strong. Amen. We have to contend for the faith. We are entrusted with that. What does is, what is really that mean? To contend would also be stated as to compete or to struggle for or to fight for. And when it comes to the apostolic truth and the faith that you live, you ought to have something about you that says, I'm going to fight for this thing. Amen. I'm going to fight for it. And if there's people that walk away from it, I'm still going to fight for it. If it discourages me that I see people that their beliefs drift from truth, I'm still going to fight for this. Come on. Yes. Amen. Let me ask you this. Do you know, just name one, please, for me, any major team in sports that their best player went down in the middle of a game and they just said, well, let's hang it up. It's done. Now I'll confess, I've been watching when that's happened and I've said that. Oh, it's done. But when they're out there fighting for it, the people fighting for it, and the best player goes down, the manager, the team, they don't say, well, let's just leave the field. It's over with. They put somebody else in, and they keep fighting for that team. That's right. Now, you can watch, and, and I, I, you know, this is not the most positive thing in the world, but it's the truth, and it's something we've got to deal with in this life. There will be people, there will be people that you'll watch turn away from God. I feel this in my spirit this morning. You will watch people in your life turn away from God. I've watched people that I know and I love dearly yes. turn and walk away from God. And there's, there's a prick. There's a prick of discouragement, you know, a little bit in your heart when you see that. It's like, oh, Lord, what, you know, they were, they, they seemed like it was going so well. And the Lord was blessing and using them. But they've turned, you know, the things that, you know, are outside of the truth. And it can hurt when that happens. But you know what you do? And you know all it's done for me is solidified that I will contend for this thing. Yes. They can slip off this way or that way. I'm going to be found on the same ground. And hopefully one day when they come back to it, they're going to find me standing in the same place and be encouraged by it. Amen. And God is calling some apostolics and some Pentecostals in this room to be solid, to be faithful, to be unwavering. Amen. To when anybody's watching or when nobody's watching, still be there to serve Him. Still Amen. be living this thing out. And even still changing in whatever way that they can to become more like Him. Praise God. And there's got to be times in the altar where you recommit, reconsecrate yourself to this thing. Amen. And say, Lord, amen. If I don't get another blessing, 
If I don't get uh, another monetary blessing, another healing God, if I don't get any of that, I'll still be found right here. Yes, amen. 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 And, and I just doubt today, I doubt today that it's all going to fall apart physically and in an earthly way like it did for Job, for you. But still, yet we find Job saying, nonetheless, you know, naked came I into this world, naked shall I leave. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Right. Friends writing letters curse God. Leaving, forget about it. A spouse that's saying, forget God. I don't know why you're still here saying all this. You've lost everything. And we still yet find a man who in his life a long time ago, he sorted it out. All these blessings will pass away. But this ground of truth that doesn't slide this way, it doesn't come apart. If I lose everything, I will stand and I will contend. And I'll tell those friends that have drifted away from truth, you don't understand. This is more important. I've not done anything to deserve this, but even if I did, I'm going to stand on truth. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Anybody feel that this morning? Yes. Amen. Amen. You can lose a lot, but you better not lose truth. <laughs> Amen. You can lose a lot of things that are going to pass away, but don't lose that thing that's eternal. Don't lose that thing that's eternal. If truth is going to be heard, it's up to us to speak it. Amen. That was the agenda of the early church. Even their enemies confessed. Listen to this. Acts chapter 5 and verse 28. Even their enemies confess. You have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine. They may hate it. But they still got to confess. It's a solid ground that everybody's finding and standing on. <clears throat> Peter urged us. Be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Amen. And in all that, we still have to remember today that God is backing us up. We've got the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. We've got the power of the gifts of the Spirit yes. that we're learning about on Sunday nights and the miraculous signs and wonders that are at our disposal by God. His hand is in this too. It's not just you standing on the rock of truth with no help. God's here to fight with you and empower you in all of that. Standing on a rock of truth. It's always prevailed. It always will. And preaching the truth is important. But this is key this morning. Preaching it is important. I'll continue to do it as long as the Lord will let me. But nothing speaks louder than our lives. That's right. Amen. I can get up here and scream and holler for the rest of the day about it. I can get up here and share every bit of doctrine we believe and preach it. But when people observe it with their eyes and they see the change that's come over you from being in His presence, from being more committed to Him, 
the layers of the spirit that God applies to your life over time. They don't just see somebody who's constant, but then somebody who's also growing in. And the Lord blesses as they go. Something's different about that. They're looking for something like that. People around you right now that are in hurting and in pain. When they observe your constant walk. Not falling to this side or that. They found something in this world that's distracting and you can't count on it. They found something that is solid and does not change. People change. Times change. The news changes. Government changes. Family changes. But when they observe in you, they serve a God that does not change. Something rises in them. It was a little more than a week ago that I was having a conversation with my boss who I found out as a former apostolic. When he was just a young boy, his family attended an apostolic truth church. And we end up somehow in these long conversations. And he's a thinker. If I can describe him, he's a thinker. And he wants to know, you know, what I believe about this, what about that. And I've tried because I know he's a skeptical person, a cynical person. Not to just bombard him with it because he'll clam up and be done with it just the way he is. And so I've tried to make him think here and there and ease in a word of truth when I can. But the other day we got done with a pretty long conversation about the nature of the world and what God's involvement with all that is. And out of the blue, as we ended the conversation, phrase come out of his mouth and I don't say this morning to puff myself up or anything like this I'm trying to illustrate a point to you the words come out of his mouth you know when I talk to you and I leave it makes me want to be a better person if you understand this man his, his thoughts are dark his view of the world is through a very dark lens. But when that come out of his mouth, I knew there's some change happening. There's some change happening. But you know, that's really the way it ought to be. They need to observe. I didn't, I've not tried to hammer truth into his head when I've talked to him. I've not tried to, you know, I've tried to say things in such a way that will bring him that direction. But in, in the end of it, you know, it wasn't really about that. It was what he was observing. Every time he talks to you, you know, this is what the world feels around us or ought to feel around us. People, people in a world of hurt want to observe and see something that's better. And it's not just a sales pitch. It's not something that looks good. It really is good. 
you know, this message, this message that we preach, when you first heard it, of course it sounded good. There's a lot of things that sound good. But I wonder if I could get a testimony in this room by maybe a waving of the hand that you'd say, I found out it is good. Amen. It's not just words. It's not just the doctrine of what we believe. But it really is good. Amen. Brother J.R., I'll never forget when you came in here one day and we was just, you know, man, we was having a move of the Holy Ghost in this room. And at some point I remember you saying, I love coming to a church where I can really feel something. It's not just something that's put over the door. It's not just something that's put on the sign. It's not just, you know, a statement of belief, but it really is good. That's what everybody out there is looking for. They're reaching for it. And they grab things that seem like it and it sifts through their fingers. But when there's a touch of apostolic truth, and I really believe this with all that's in me because I've seen it too many times in people. When they grab a hold of it and it's something that's solid, immovable, and they begin to feel the power of the Holy Ghost shoot through them. Oh, it's different. It's different. And it's good. Yes, it's good. Amen. And somebody would sing about it one day and say, it's real. It's real. I know, I know it's real. It's the Pentecostal blessing. And I know, I know it's real. Is there anybody in this room that you feel like just standing on truth and not being moved by anybody or anything? And someday being observed as that, that guy, that gal right there believed it and lived it. No question. That's who I want to be. Let's stand this morning. It's truth that's going to prevail. It's truth that's going to prevail. If Enoch could walk with God under those circumstances, what circumstances? I'm talking about the circumstances which eventually God would say that he would repent of having made those people and then cause a flood to come and restart. In those circumstances, if he could live in that, I think, ladies and gentlemen, we can walk with God today. You think we can do it? I want to be a mirror that shows Jesus to this world. I don't even want them to see Ryan. I mean, they're bound to, and God help them if they do. But who I really want them to see, who I want to point to, is Jesus. That's the solid rock on which I stand. Amen. He's what the Bible calls, He's become the chief cornerstone. Amen. And it's all built on Him. It's not going to shake anyway. He's unshakable. He's a solid ground to stand on. What I feel like this morning is maybe it's appropriate that we reconsecrate ourselves and say, Lord, I'm not going anywhere. 
I'm not going to be moved. Everybody else will move the rest of my life, but I won't be moved. Amen. Would you help me pray that right now? Amen. Help me pray it. Lord, my